0: grant i'm elena and welcome to history honeys the
1: podcast where a married couple teaches each other about cool stuff in the past
0: welcome to spring the sun is shining (laughs) no it's not well, it was so warm last weekend, we took for, the dog for a drive. For
1: one day. It was It lovely. was nice for one day.
0: And we went out to Rainbow Cone and it had such a nice time. We
1: did, and now it's 35 degrees again.
0: Yeah, there is a real clear off-ramp to, to talking about the episode, uh, and instead you just want to complain.
1: Yeah, because the weather sucks.
0: <laughs> okay, that's fun. That's We can do that instead.
1: We'll have an episode about weather history.
0: You want to go write that one uh, ooh, down? Oh,
1: I could give, I should do Tom Skilling's biography one of these days. Oh, okay. Anyways, um, to uh, acknowledge his attempt at a segue.
0: I'm a professional.
1: Uh, we're going to talk about ice cream, which was what Rainbow Cone was. Yeah. is Rainbow Cone is some very delicious Chicago ice cream.
0: It is 80% ice cream.
1: Uh, well I guess darling what's your favorite ice cream
0: my favorite ice cream
1: what's your favorite like flavor of ice cream okay what's your favorite ice cream like novelty treat oh boy and then you can just say a third one
0: you really didn't write a lot you're trying to have me pad out the content <laughs> aren't
1: you no we're just okay. having a nice conversation here
0: as far as novelties go I really like the frozen snickers bars the ice cream oh snickers bars. yeah those are so good yeah but for just like a ice cream flavor, I'm feeling... I think I'm in a, a cookies and cream stage of my life. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Is that like a horoscope?
1: Maybe. There might there might be meaning out there to like ice cream flavor. I was, I was a
0: big mint chocolate chip child, but I think I've matured into a cookies and cream man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and do you have a third?
0: I really like... Stuff in it though because I'll take any ice cream that it's loaded up with like nuts and bits and crunchy things and Melty things I want bits
1: People who only eat like or will say that their favorite flavor is just like vanilla or chocolate They make me uncomfortable. Uh Uh-huh. That's just the base (laughs) That's not like ice cream
0: if there was a cold stone or, or something like it around here, I would I would be experimenting. I'd be doing yeah. some mad there science. There used to be a
1: cold stone. Yeah. Years ago. <laughs> we never went when it was open. No. Uh anyways, so we're we're going to talk a little bit about uh how ice cream came to be. Mhm. There's a theme to this episode oh. other than ice cream. Okay. It's that no one agrees on anything. <laughs>
0: okay all right so
1: just gonna give like a little warning out there is that there was no way i could cover every single opinion on how ice cream came to be
0: we're here to teach the controversy and and let you decide
1: so if i miss something i know i know i missed it (laughs) the the origins of ice cream Mm -hmm. as we know it is a very very long tale okay to, to really tell it, we have to stretch back in time uh, before ice cream existed.
0: Well, you got to get that context. It's yeah. all about context.
1: Yeah. So, you know, as far back as 500 BC, um, you know, people were combining ice with flavors to make nice cold treats.
0: So a snow cone is, is older than ice cream. Yes. In a sense. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Definitely. For, snow cones have a much like richer past (laughs) um you know there there's certain moments throughout history here where there there are known like ways that people ate these cold treats Mm -hmm. uh in 400 bc uh persians invented a special treat that was chilled and it used rose water and vermicelli um and that's
0: cool I like that because rosewater is still so pronounced in like Persian and Middle Eastern cooking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Rose Rosewater has been like a For at least staple.
0: two and a half millennia. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, in China, around 200 BC, uh, a mixture of, of milk and rice was used. Mm-hmm. And they would like, snow and saltpeter was like poured over the exterior of the container it was in to chill it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So the saltpeter would act like rock salt to make the snow even colder? Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. Roman Emperor Nero had ice brought from the mountains and they mixed it with fruit. Um, By that point, ice houses did exist Uh and were in use. A lot of the stuff at the time was like, there was definitely a lot more like chilling things with the ice from the outside than like putting it inside because... Their ice is not clean, and <laughs> you're probably sense. storing it in like sawdust and stuff and and straw,
0: and it's kind of gross. Okay, so we're using the ice for the coldness. We're not eating the ice. A
1: lot of a lot of the cases of stuff people were doing in the past, it was more for chilling it, putting it around the outside of something. Um, but then there was branching into mixing it with other things, Ooh. such as fruit. Um, you're getting some more of your snow cones that you mentioned mm-hmm. so emperors of the tang dynasty are believed to have been the first to eat uh frozen milk-like treats closest thing uh-huh. to like ice cream
0: when i want to save a bucket at the grocery store i go to the rack that says frozen milk-like treat
1: well those are the like you know frozen novelty things <laughs> that are not really ice cream but are kind of ice cream
0: milk like treat it sounds like it comes in a charcoal gray box <laughs> with a white lettering and yeah. no picture. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, it, that's exactly how they got it back then. You were so right. Uh, so the milk was either probably from cows or goats or, or buffaloes. Uh, and it was believed that it was like heated with flour. Mm-hmm. And then camphor, uh, which was a uh, aromatic, waxy, flammable, and transparent sup- stuff substance
0: is there anything it can't do
1: <laughs> uh from the evergreen tree was like mixed in for texture and flavor i, I found out that this is a thing that we put in vix vapor rub Ben Gay, and icy hot
0: cool cool uh, also dessert
1: it can also be really toxic
0: okay ice cream's not that bad for you we don't <laughs> have to be judging people
1: no the the camper okay. can like i think it was like two grams is like toxic to an adult <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's why you should have your treats in moderation yeah yeah. so
1: they actually i was reading they they sell um you can get like camphor oils and stuff it's usually not real um or it has to stay below a really low percentage because it's toxic mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh but i'm just i am just imagining like bengay ice cream i mm-hmm. mean i know that's not what it smelled like because most of that's like menthol
0: well why do you think he's so into jerry I love you. I love you, too. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so it's menthol's the main smell we're getting. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but think that's what that's what it is. Yeah. You know, like, mmm, love that Bengay ice cream. Like, yeah. So this, this mixture they made mm-hmm. uh, was placed in, like, metal tubes.
0: Camphor and cream.
1: Uh-huh. And then it was, like, lowered into icy ponds till frozen. Ah. Yeah. Or icy pools, not really a pond. It could just be, like a tub of water
0: but ice cold water yes yes
1: so and then there there are more descriptions of chinese frozen milk treats um from the 12th and 14th century was around a lot
0: sure sure
1: the big debate comes in is like well how did this all like spread and like who did someone like go and get the recipe and bring it back (laughs) There's all kinds of debates about that. There's like a whole thing like, well, Marco Polo did No, he probably did not.
0: But what if he did, though? That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, he probably didn't. Okay. Um, I mean, there was definitely spreading of knowledge. Uh, part of what a lot of people think, instead of it's more like, oh, I learned how to like the recipe. It was more like, here's our technique for making something cold. Mm -hmm, That mm -hmm. spread, you know, from China to the Middle East and to Italy. Right. And stuff like that. Um, During the medieval era Mm -hmm. uh, in West Asia and throughout India, there was a a fruit flavored drink uh, called Sherbat or Sherbet, depending on if you're going with the like Arabic or the English version. Mm -hmm. And it... Was very popular throughout those areas. This is a case where it did like spread. Okay. Um, this drink did become popular uh, with Europe's wealthy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then in the 17th century, uh, we started seeing drinks be turned into frozen desserts. So this, you know, this fruity liquid, mm-hmm. become frozen, and then we would get sorbetto or sorbet. Ah. Yes kind of like our 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 big transition into more of an ice cream as we know it now
0: (laughs) (laughs) step by step inch by inch
1: yeah now the european debut of more of an ice cream was probably in naples um in the later part of the 17th century and it would spread throughout the royal houses of europe antonia latini who was born in 1643 uh, and died in 1692, uh, who was from Naples, is credited as being the first person to write down a recipe for sorbetto. They were also responsible for creating a milk-based uh, sorbet. Many people would consider, like, the first official ice cream.
2: hmm
0: hmm
1: Again, debate. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: it is weird how every food at least any food that is similar to other foods yes has these very strict definitions then you get into the fuzzy zones in between
1: well and like especially
0: like it's all about the, the ratio of like milk and egg and sugar yes. and yes the the mechanism of freezing and which
1: is why it was actually very hard to kind of trace the history of ice cream because it's like well how far do we go back and what do we consider on this path? Right. And all the branches out of like, well, now this is officially gelato and this is officially <laughs> this. And like Briar's ice cream is very different than homemade ice cream from this ice cream, all because of what's in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're just going for a general icy treat.
0: So our first ice cream is arguably... Yes. D- depending on your categorical stances. Yes. Uh, this milk-based sorbet from 16 uh, Naples. Yes. Okay.
1: At least the first one to write it down. <laughs> um, so in 1686, a Sicilian by the name of Francesco Procopia de Cotelli uh, opened Paris's first cafe, um, which would introduce gelato to the French public.
0: Ah, um, hello, my name is Gelato. It's nice to meet you. I hear you're the French public. Nice to meet you, French public.
1: Yeah. Well, well, I mentioned it with like the icy drink mm-hmm. that gets spread to the European wealthy. Right. You know, ice is expensive. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to get unless it's snowing outside.
2: And then only the wealth, ice cream?
1: And only the wealthy like can have it around. Mm-hmm. And so we have Gelato being created. Treats being made, but only certain people can afford it. And even with this cafe, not everyone can afford it, but Mm -hmm. now a bigger part of the community can. Um, So Francesco actually gained French citizenship uh, due to the popularity of his gelato. (laughs) Uh, And he got an exclusive royal license uh, from Louis XIV, uh, which made him the sole producer of gelato in the kingdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is this is my gelato king. <laughs> uh, so, in the 18th century, uh, we started to see recipes for uh, ice cream appearing in uh, cookbooks, and many of the early recipes called for cream and fruit, but not eggs.
0: Take that, Francesco! Not so <laughs> exclusive anymore. We can read books.
1: And then, halfway through the century, uh, eggs were added. And they started saying, like, you know, it should be stirred while being frozen. Um, This would make it, you know, smoother and richer and creamier, Mm -hmm. much closer to what we know now.
0: Uh uh Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. And with this idea of, you know, you must have smooth ice cream and you must stir it, uh, we started getting the invention of the ice cream machine, which was invented by the French.
0: Well, yeah, they seem to have taken over, ice cream-wise. Yeah,
1: yeah. They did.
0: So so it's sort of a the, the history of ice cream is has been traveling westward. Yes. From China to Italy to France.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and now we're gonna travel a little more. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna Portugal. G- go to the Americas. Oh, that's
0: a lot farther west.
1: Yeah. And I guess we, we get a little American centric here.
0: <laughs> Welcome to History Honeys, where we sorry recognize other places exist, but They don't always get the spotlight.
1: You know, I could have traced ice cream throughout every country in the world, Mm -hmm. but this would be a very long episode. (laughs) So I kind of went with, how did it get here? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So it did come here sometime within the early 1700s. During uh, this time when ice cream was being made, it was very Mm -hmm. popular to put it into ice cream molds. So, you know, if you were eating ice cream, you'd be getting, like, the shape of a vegetable or uh-huh. a fruit uh-huh. or an animal. An
0: animal, you said? Yes. So that's why they sell the Mickey bars in Liberty Square.
1: It's, it's, very, historically it's very
0: historically correct. It's very historically
1: correct. Yes. <laughs> so take that anyone that says your SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants ice cream bar is too childish. No, it's historical. Yeah.
0: I mean, that sponges are animals. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. So the first known event of ice cream being served in the Americas, like, written down, we know for sure, uh, was in Maryland in 1744 Mm -hmm. uh, on the governor's table. One of the guests was just so blown away with being (laughs) served ice cream, he wrote about it in a letter. uh, What is
0: this? What is
1: this? And that letter survives to this day, so we know there was definitely ice cream. This is, what is it? Now, there's many people who are, like, falsely credit Jefferson uh, for bringing ice cream to the Americas. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He did it. Um, Part of the reason this becomes, like, a story Mm -hmm. is because he did build an ice house on the president's house. And he had, like, a servant who was in charge of, like... Churning the ice cream for Independence Day in 1806, <laughs> he was like really big into eating it, so he mm-hmm. served it all the time. So he didn't bring it there, but he might have like spread the wonderful treat to more people.
0: Sure, we sure. can go with that. A popularizer of ice cream, yes. And the the first to associate it with the Fourth of July, which is kind of a kind of a big deal.
1: It's a very big thing yeah. to eat ice cream. You know, what I should have looked because it
0: happens to be hot.
1: I should have looked at those like those popsicles that come in the tube.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That yeah, they're like liquid. Until should have, you I should have it. looked up th- that history. Okay, because that is like Fourth of July treat. <laughs> <laughs> is I that like an know. American thing? It might be. Tell me, people of other countries, do you have like what a foot and a half long tube filled with liquid <laughs> that you freeze and then eat, and it like cuts up your mouth really bad because of the plastic?
0: Yes, yes, it does. It does. You, you you look like Heath Ledger after eating one of those.
1: <laughs> you do. So uh, around this time, uh,
0: early, early 1800s, early
1: 1800s, flavor. You know, there were lots of normal flavors. There was like. <laughs> vanilla and lots of fruit flavors being
0: used sure sure um
1: people were also starting to experiment um there was coffee and tea flavored ice creams being made there was recipes for parmesan ice cream
0: i think Uh, i've seen that on chopped i think i've seen somebody (laughs) try that on chopped it didn't go well that that Uh, machine never works
1: there was uh you know chocolate ice cream and there was even some recipes for oyster ice cream
0: that sounds more like cutthroat kitchen, actually. Yeah. yeah. Like,
1: here. Here's these oysters. You got to, like, replace your vanilla beans with this.
0: <laughs> <sighs>
1: when we went to the gelato festival thing, mm-hmm. we did try a few, like, different ones. There was, like, a goat cheese ice cream. Oh, that
0: was so good.
1: And I feel like there was a ricotta one. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Those were good. Yes. I could see Parmesan ice cream working on top of, like,
0: A waffle. A waffle with
1: some fried chicken.
0: Yes. Chicken and waffles with Parmesan ice cream? Like... That sounds good. That
1: would be amazing. I want to eat that right now. My God. (laughs) Sounds so good. By uh, 1790, the first ice cream parlor in America opened in New York. Ice cream was still a rare treat for wealthy. Mm -hmm. um, And it wasn't really until the 19th century the ice cream became accessible uh to people across a variety of you know socio-economic levels mm-hmm. um
0: it took the civil war for poor people to have ice cream
1: well part of it she was like the growth in ice cream counters uh, and like yeah yeah you know those those types of like establishments becoming a thing and that being a thing that people like went to
0: I'd imagine it's more tied to uh, refrigeration technology than yeah. anything.
1: Yeah, And access to ice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Once Freon is freely available, <laughs> I think we're going to be off to the races. Yeah.
1: So we are going to talk about uh, one dude who often gets uh, credited as being the inventor of ice cream.
0: Let's talk about a dude.
1: Uh, he His name was Augustus Jackson, and he was born in uh 1808 uh and he was an african-american uh candy confectioner in philadelphia
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um there's not a lot about him he was pretty like kept to himself guy he turned
0: he turned 211 uh, last month
1: uh we do know was that he was um a chef in the white house uh during the 1820s and by the 1930s he was a candy confectioner in philadelphia Mm -hmm. owning his own business he did not invent ice cream. I think we know that. <laughs> um, but he's also often called the father of ice cream because he did, like, perfect um, a lot of ways that ice cream could be made at the time. Mm-hmm. And the use of salt within it.
0: Yes. It depresses the melting point so your ice can be even colder than... Yeah. No- and you, ju- yeah. Ju- 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 and you cr- crank the... I've done that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, like, salt was used before, but I- he, like refined it Mm -hmm. and like the amount used Um, and he also created several popular flavors and created a distribution system of where he (laughs) made these ice creams and packed them in tin cans and they were delivered to ice cream parlors in philadelphia Mm -hmm. Um, he never applied for any patents for any of his work but he threw his uh, ice cream parlor and the production of this ice cream, he became one of the wealthiest African-American men in Philadelphia at the time.
0: Is there anything left of him? Like, do, is his parlor still open or is there a brand with his name on it or anything? Not
1: that I could find. Okay. Um. There's really little, like, there's not even, like, pictures of this guy. Hmm. Ice cream historians out there that I came across, there's apparently <laughs> a lot of them, talk about him, but there's just not a lot known. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like, well, now I need to go back to Philadelphia and I need to yeah. like research Augustus Jackson.
0: At least find out what neighborhood his, his business was in. Yes. Yeah.
1: So a wider uh, availability of ice cream in the late 19th century uh, led to a new creation. Uh, in 1874, the American Soda Fountain Shop mm-hmm. uh, and Soda Jerks started to emerge since we now had the invention of the ice cream soda. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the controversy!
0: <laughs> really? Really? Is it because everybody calls them jerks and so they're, they have a lot of pent-up frustration oh, to no. work out? No,
1: we're going to talk about the controversy of the ice cream soda.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Or the ice cream float. This is you know ice cream that is mixed with either pop
0: mm-hmm. like, or
1: like a mixture of syrup and carbonated water,
0: which is pop basically.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know you're making pop.
0: Your your root beer float as a as an example of the type.
1: Yes. Okay. Um. So, uh, one of the main people that was supposed to have invented this
0: <laughs> supposed to
1: there we're gonna talk about a couple people here mm-hmm. uh so we have robert mckay uh green who they say invented the ice cream float in philadelphia <laughs> in 1874 uh during the franklin institute's semi-centennial celebration uh it said that he ran out of ice for drinks he was selling and used ice cream from a neighboring vendor. Uh-huh. But then in an interview published in Soda Fountain Ma- Magazine, because that was a thing.
0: <laughs> I would like to read back issues of Soda Fountain Magazine.
1: Uh, so this was in 1910. He said that he wanted to create a new treat, and he did it on purpose to attract customers from other fancier vendors at the
0: fair. Mm-hmm. He had to have the fanciest food because his cart didn't have flashing lights and flared rims. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, So there are three other people who also make claims to being the first to make an ice cream float or an ice cream soda. Mm -hmm. Um, One of which is uh, Fred Sanders Uh of uh, the Sanders, like, company we know in Michigan.
0: Why do we know? Or Saunders.
1: I'm sorry. Has the Saunders, like, candy company. Oh, From Michigan, that yeah. like so like you got like Saunders cake, you got Saunders like hot fudge, their candy, all mm-hmm. that stuff.
0: Now that's the guy who knows how to plant a foundation in that. Yeah, yeah.
1: but one part of this we know for sure okay. that he did was that he invented the Boston cooler. Okay, hi, Dad. We got. I'm glad you're listening. <laughs> We're
0: talking about a thing you love.
1: With a Boston cooler. Uh, is made with Verner's ginger ale. Verner's being a Michigan ginger ale company.
0: Yes, um, the only good one.
1: Yeah, it's good. Uh, and it's mixed with vanilla ice cream. And this Canada
0: Dry can get out of my house. Canada
1: Dry is terrible. No, ale. Sh-
0: no Schweppes in my life, thank you very much.
1: So this this was invented in Detroit. Now was it the first ice cream float? We don't know. Many Ro- say it was. Robert
0: Green says it wasn't.
1: He says it wasn't. Uh, he's but... getting interviewed
0: by a uh, Soda Fountain Magazine.
1: Yeah. So, one thing to talk about first is that the Boston Cooler has absolutely no connection to Boston.
0: It does have a connection to coolers, though.
1: Coolers, yes. They
0: hold the ice cream before you put it in.
1: Well, no one also knows why it's called a Boston Cooler. <laughs> so there's a lot of like things about like, "Oh, well it's like the the street or you know, this intersection with Boston street or it's his neighborhood none of those existed at the time
0: mm-hmm. so like at least not under those names
1: not under those names that's not what they were called at the time mm-hmm. so we're not really sure saunders founded uh his company in 1875 uh, um opening a store on woodward and gratiot he built uh this pavilion of sweets on woodward in 1891 <laughs> Some stories say that that's where he like created the ice cream soda, which would put it like after uh, green. Some say, well, no, he actually probably created it beforehand and that's just where he like publicized it.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Who knows? Some stories say that he, people were coming in for soda um, and like the sweet cream sodas that they made, like the cream went sour, uh. went bad. So then he's like, oh, I'll put ice cream in it instead. Yeah. And yeah. people will like this. Um, Now, interesting fact, because I never planned to take this to Michigan when I was writing this episode, and I never planned to connect it to Chicago, um, Saunders actually tried opening his business in Chicago first. Uh Uh-huh. His store was destroyed by the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, and he had to relocate to Detroit.
0: He didn't have to. He chose He chose to. A lot of other people stuck around. Imagine a world where it's called the Detroit cooler, but was invented in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It um, keeps going west. It
1: keeps going. keeps going west. Uh, and fun fact, um, Henry Ford actually worked for Saunders. The Saunders like company was one of the first companies in Detroit to use electric motors to run their equipment. Mm-hmm. That would often break down. He had to hire someone to like fix it. And he hired a young mechanic who had been working for Edison Illuminating Company, which happened to be Henry Ford. Before he started the Ford Motor Company. Mm-hmm. Just a little crazy.
0: There you go. You know? There you go.
1: Um, and if you're curious, uh, the Saunders Company does still exist to this day in Detroit. Uh, my brother will often buy my mom a cake from there. Yes. It was bought in 2002, though, by the Morley Candy Makers, which is another Michigan-based candy company. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. um, Now we're going to talk about the creation of another ice cream dessert Mm -hmm. that is also very controversial.
0: (laughs) Okay, what is it?
1: The ice cream sundae.
0: We're having an ice cream sundae right now. We are. Yeah. Today's Ice Cream Sunday. Tomorrow's Editing Monday. <laughs> and people are going to hear this on Upload Tuesday. Yeah. Yes.
1: Okay. Okay. So uh, one story says that ice cream Sundays were invented in Evanston, Illinois here. Hey, just north of Chicago.
0: What's up? I went to college there.
1: <laughs> um, no, this was one of the first locations to pass a blue law against selling ice cream sodas. In 1890.
0: (laughs) We got trouble right here in River City.
1: (laughs) Because drinking soda-like beverages was banned on Sundays in
2: Illinois.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's too much pleasure in that. And this is the Lord's Day, dang it. Yep.
0: It's very Harold Hill. Yeah. It's incredibly Harold Hill, yes.
1: Well, and you think it's crazy... And it is. But then you also remember, <laughs> hey, you know what? The reason you can't buy a car in Illinois on a Sunday is because of these laws. Mm-hmm. They still exist. Should or that- the reason the Amtrak train from Michigan to Chicago has to stop selling alcohol for an hour on Sundays is when it's going through Indiana.
0: Should that be the new tagline for our show, History Honeys? It sounds crazy, because it is.
1: <laughs> Maybe. So, since they couldn't sell soda, they substituted um, doing ice cream with the syrup they would have put in the soda and called it a Sunday soda.
0: Uh, Oh, and there's the name right there. Um,
1: And then later, when it started being sold on other days other than Sunday, Mm -hmm. um, and there's some rumors that, like, religious people in the community were like, it can't be called that because it's not associated anymore, uh, they changed the spelling. (laughs) Um, but another claim comes out of two rivers wisconsin that a guy named george asked uh, edward c burners who owned a soda fountain shop to drizzle chocolate syrup over ice cream in 1881 but this is up for debate because like edward would have been like a teenager and it's like would he have actually owned a soda fountain shop at
0: like 16? Maybe he's an enterprising young man. I've I've been seeing some documentaries where 16-year-olds get into giant robots and fight wars in space. Yeah. I tried out a Gundam. I liked it.
1: Is that an anime? It, yes. Okay. <laughs> you watch anime.
0: I've watched two animes now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, there's a third claim. Uh, And this one comes from New York uh, that around this time they invented it and it is the first historically documented one and they called it the Cherry Sunday because it had like cherries and it was on Sundays. And there is so much bickering between these three places. Well, not so much Evanston. I feel like they just like, yeah, we did it and we're just gonna leave it at that. But Mm -hmm. the other two, it's like, there's like fighting between the communities and mm-hmm. no, we should get the plaque that says
0: I feel like this Ithaca claim, if they're right about being the first historically documented one, that should be good enough for them, right? Like they can just ignore the others and take the the moral high ground because it was in a newspaper, I guess.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Uh so this this ice cream adventure I've been on, uh, did lead me to finding uh, the Howard Johnson's 28 Flavors.
0: I know a place with three more than that.
1: <laughs> this uh, ice cream place uh, was invented uh, by Howard Deering Johnson of the Howard Johnson Hotels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but That's he's... where
0: I got a Sega Game Gear.
1: <laughs> but really? No.
0: It was a weird old promotion. Oh, Josh and I did a video about it.
1: Oh, okay.
0: It was like you could rent out... A, a sega game gear from the front desk oh
1: at the hotel At your
0: hotel gotcha. your hotel stay okay and there's a promotional video about it that's awful
1: gotcha his his restaurants came first Hmm mm-hmm. um they were known for having a very bright orange orange roof
0: yeah 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 and like teal Mm-hmm.
1: Have you seen these? You know them.
0: I I know the famous orange roof of Howard Johnson hotels. I didn't
1: know this was a thing. And so you
0: can see it off the highway, and you know what you're getting. It's it's branding. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, um, in 1925, uh,
0: the Hojo. Yes.
1: Yes. I didn't, there's like that nickname. There are websites out there that just keep calling it the Hojo.
0: Howard Johnson. It's, it's, it's smush them up. That's what they call those words, right? Smush them up. I
1: just. I didn't know this was such a thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they've they've fallen on tough times compared to to your super eights and whatnot, but
1: what the hotels? Yes,
0: they don't have the market share they once did.
1: They're doing a bit better because now they're like clumping hotels together. Mm-hmm. So like the the one they built on my McCormick Place, I think, is like Howard Johnson, Best Western, something else. It's like three hotel names on one hotel. I don't understand. I'm like, are certain floors certain hotels?
0: I think it might be a corporate consolidation like some one chain is buying up the others well and like Wyndham's
1: connected to them now too Uh,
0: that's a feature episode i guess yeah the the deregulation of the hotel industry
1: but so in 1925 he bought a small soda shop in quincy massachusetts
0: hey we've been there
1: this episode why is this
0: episode full of places we've been i
1: don't know it was bizarre
0: hi dana i don't know if you listen to the show but hi dana
1: (laughs) Things we've done episodes on. It's weird. Um, So he bought an ice cream recipe from a push cart vendor (laughs) and uh, was like, this is really good ice cream. I'm going to use it in my shop. Mm -hmm. And within three years, he was grossing uh, $240,000. I mean,
0: we've been to a small soda shop in Quincy, Massachusetts.
1: And they asked me if I wanted Jimmy's and I was really confused. (laughs)
0: for people who aren't aware of american regional dialects that's just what they call sprinkles in new england
1: i had never heard it in my life i didn't know if the guy was trying to ask me if i wanted to buy some under-the-counter drugs that's
0: not how it ever happens you have to trust me
1: i didn't know what it was so I just said no, and then I was very upset when I found out it was just sprinkles, because I would have liked some sprinkles.
0: Yeah, I said yes, and it got coated. It was, like, thick. Yeah. It, you couldn't see ice cream in my ice cream anymore.
1: The speech that Americans use throughout the country, there is some crazy variances, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. certain things people say, you have no idea what they mean.
0: Anyway, my ice cream had sprinkle armor, and that's good.
1: Yeah, it was, I was jealous. And then we saw that raccoon.
0: (laughs) And then we saw the horseshoe crab. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't like that.
1: I liked it until I learned now that they're spiders. So anyways, so in 1935, uh, he teamed up with a local businessman, and they created the first modern restaurant franchise. Um, And they opened uh, about 200 restaurants by the time that uh, America had entered World War II. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but only 12 were left by 1944 because the war rationing had, like, crippled mm-hmm. everything. Um, but then the Pennsylvania Turnpike, the Ohio Turnpike, the New Jersey Turnpike, and the Connecticut Turnpike were built. He he got the rights to be the restaurant on the, you know, service drives off the Turnpike throughout all of them.
0: Uh, darling, could you do me a quick favor? What? Say Turnpike again. Turnpike. Thank you.
1: For people who don't know what a turnpike is,
0: <laughs> it's a toll road. It's a
1: toll road. We don't have them in Michigan.
0: It's a toll road with very limited exits. You yes, can, you go a very so, long time without getting. So off.
1: to make sure that you don't have to pay uh, to get food or a bathroom, they build special like turnpike exits. Mm-hmm. So you little, you, little
0: service islands. Yes,
1: with, um, with gas
0: and restaurants and.
1: And usually there are contracts about who gets to be there, which is why it's really annoying when you're on one of them and it's the same like <laughs> Pizza Hut Express yeah. and KFC for 200 miles. I
0: don't want to go to Hardee's. It's gross.
1: I found out Hardee's went way downhill the last time we were on a turnpike. <laughs> way downhill in the past 10 years.
0: At least that one in Indiana was.
1: It was really it was bad. bad. It was bad. I think was it any. I think it was Ohio. I think we were in Ohio by then. Okay. I don't know. It was bad. But yeah, so he got the contract to be one of the restaurants throughout all these turnpikes, and within three years there were over two hundred restaurants again. <laughs> uh, and by 1951, there uh, the company totaled like 115 million dollars.
0: Howard Johnson, the comeback kid. So then
1: in 1954, he opened his first hotel, um, and the restaurants peaked in the 60s and 70s um, with about a 1,000 restaurants. And now um, there is one, maybe two left in the country. (laughs) The second one was on the verge of closing when the article I was reading was written.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Don't know if it's still there. (laughs) But I was just fascinated by this because I was like, what (laughs) these are like everywhere and apparently like a really big thing
0: there's not a lot of big boys left dear
1: no there's not it's weird when you see one Mm -hmm. they're not very good either
0: (laughs) and it used to be nationwide sort of
1: yeah, and it's stretched out.
0: Big boy was a chain of chains. A, a lot of different regional chains license the name and the sandwich. Yes. So the big boy we're talking about is not the big boy any of our listeners in California or Kentucky or anywhere else would remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I should do an episode on uh, Maybe um, I'll do lost... an episode
0: on the big boy. You
1: should do an episode on lost American American restaurants like yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, we have one more origin story to talk about.
0: Sure, sure. That
1: also has controversy.
0: Doesn't doesn't everything? Everything. This is a controversial world in which we live.
1: Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, soft serve ice cream. In uh, 1938, John Fremont McCullough uh, and his son Alex uh, developed a formula
0: to cure cancer
1: for soft serve ice cream. Uh, Just as good. They they convinced um, a friend to offer the product at their ice cream shop in Kankakee, Illinois. Which is not
0: too far from here. No.
1: Um, on the first day, they did like a all-you-could-eat promotion, and they <laughs> served 1,600 servings within the first two hours. <laughs> um, and two years later, they opened the first Dairy Queen in Joliet, Illinois. Huh.
0: I did not know Dairy Queen
1: opened in Joliet.
0: Um, That's a place you go every couple weeks.
1: It is. Yes. I do. And I need to track it down because apparently the first Dairy Queen, even though it stopped operating in the 1950s, the building is still there and is the historic landmark. <laughs> but there's someone else who says, no, they didn't invent soft serve ice cream. I did. And that is Tom Carvel of the Carvel ice cream franchise. His origin story for it is that he got like a flat tire and he had to pull over into a parking lot and he started selling his melting ice cream um, and then thought, hey, you know what? Maybe soft frozen ice cream would be good. I should make that. Uh And then he did start doing it and he says that he was the first one who does it.
0: I like the McCullough family story better. Yeah. Because they invented a formula. Yes. This guy had an accident and then sold bad product that people still kind of liked. Yeah. They liked it because it's ice cream. <laughs> you didn't learn anything except that people really like ice cream, and I think we were all on board with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ice cream. Very controversial. No one agrees on anything.
0: It, it's interesting that everything about... Uh, ice cream is is debated. I mean, even even the invention of the ice cream cone, which is probably the most famous story. Yeah, at the 1904 World's Fair. Even that is apparently debated because an Italian immigrant, uh, Italo Maraccone, got a, a U.S. patent for an ice cream cone in 1903. Mm-hmm. The year before the St. Louis World's Fair of 1904. Yeah. It's all up in the air.
1: You know what I've I, I've learned.
0: What have you learned? Ice
1: cream has a lot in common with paper clips.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. I learned that we've been apparently through our lives, been doing a slow tour of the most significant locations <laughs> in American ice cream history.
1: Right, and we didn't know.
0: Completely unwitting.
1: We had no idea. <laughs> I feel like I keep doing like episodes, and then. I try to branch out, and it just takes me back to the same like four locations.
0: Whenever you try to get out, they keep pulling you back in. They
1: do, yeah. Honestly, I'm trying to like be a world traveler in
0: this show. <laughs> we started in China and and ancient Iran.
1: Yeah, and then I it was just a slippery slope of pulling S- me back to Massachusetts. To Joliet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how f- close to home you got, Joliet. I
1: I could do a part two of this where like I go back and then be like, okay, screw you, America. Let me look at everywhere else.
0: Yeah, just just follow modern gelato and sorbet.
1: Yes, and like what
0: have the French been up to in the last two hundred years? Oh everything. yeah, yeah. Mochi would be good.
1: Yeah. I, I when I was picking this topic, I just knew I was going to talk about some type of snack. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what. So I, like, Googled a lot of snacks before I settled on ice cream, and there's some weird stuff out there.
0: (laughs) You just poked around on the internet for a while. Yeah. And you've discovered there's weird stuff out there? Well, I
1: mean, like, there's flavors of stuff that is, like, you know it's crazy, and then you hear what it's called, and you're like, what does that even mean? One of the things I came across when looking at, like, snacks, Mm -hmm. you know, different flavors of things in different places because
0: okay. we got
1: lots of different tastes what we eat here is what someone else eats somewhere it's else.
0: cultural, sure, sure. Some
1: of the stuff they have like elsewhere we wish we had here.
0: Like uh the, the different Japanese Kit Kat flavors.
1: Yes. Yes. Or like Asian McDonald's have apparently <sighs> really cool stuff. Yeah. In the 90s, Cheetos came out with uh, a flavor called savory American cream.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I was like, what, what is that? Like what on earth is savory American cream? We don't sell that. We don't like buy that in the grocery store.
0: Where where was this that they introduced this Cheeto?
1: In the Chinese market. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently it was like a buttered popcorn-like taste.
0: Mm, mm, but I'm like, mm, why is
1: that savory American cream? Where's the cream come into it?
0: I think this is propaganda. I think it's <laughs> trying to turn the Chinese against us.
1: I just wanna know. <laughs> I want to know what the like the creative mindset was in coming mm-hmm. up with that flavor and then naming it that
0: <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed this uh, savory american flavored episode and after a quick break, we'll be right back with some letters you. Yeah. 76 episodes of the podcast, with 110 letters for us to read. That's not true. It's not quite that many.
1: No. 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 No.
0: But thank you so much for helping us hit this very special milestone.
1: So we could sing that song.
0: (laughs) But we do have some letters, and the first is from Joe, who sent us some pictures of Muffin the cat.
1: Muffin. Muffin's very cute.
0: And they answer our most recent prompt, Favorite Snack Food. Mm-hmm. Joe's favorite snack is anything with peanut butter. Just sh- dip it and scoop it and smear it all over there.
1: My kind of person.
0: <laughs> In our last episode, we also mentioned Dracula, as you do. Yeah. And they are allegedly, at least, descended from Vlad Tepish himself. Not 100% sure if... Uh, Vlad is is their grandpa or some sort of great grand uncle, but Joe's uh, uh, family was able to to trace themselves far far enough back that they're v- very confident that that somebody from that that line <laughs> is to be found back there. Very cool. So have fun with you know the the dark music of the night, Joe, and we're we're glad you're on our side, I guess. <laughs>
1: George wrote in to share that their favorite snack is Chex Mix.
0: It's good for driving. Yeah, and for wiping salt on your pants. Yes, yes, it's yes. so good for that. Thanks, George. Claretic writes in to talk about Smith's potato chips, uh, which is an Australian brand. Not just any of their chips, but their limited run flavors. Oh, they're like the Lay's. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's a market test, sometimes just a promotion or a seasonal thing. But they're generally pretty weird. Just this last year, Smith has put out spaghetti bolognese potato chips, mac and cheese chips, barbecue sausage chips. They taste like democracy in Australia. Salsa chips. That's not so bad. Portuguese chicken. What makes it Portuguese? I must know. Does it taste like Nando's?
1: Mmm, I'd eat Nando's chicken. Oh my god, (laughs) or chips. Those would be so good. It could taste like Nando's chicken. It could taste like Nando's fries. I don't care. I eat it.
0: (laughs) But uh, part of her love for these uh, uh, limited run chip flavors is that it's a pretty good way to get picky kids to try new things. Like, it's just a chip. You like chips, right? Oh, it turns out you also like spaghetti bolognese.
1: (laughs) I mean, that makes sense.
0: I guess. I mean, it it worked for her. So (laughs) there you go.
1: I have not branched out into the crazy Lay's chips flavors here either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We did try the jalapeno ones. Wasn't that what it was? It was like jalapeno sour cream. Those were not
0: good. Well, the thing is, like, the way you eat chips is habitually just knock, 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 and, And all that capsaicin builds and you're not tasting anything anymore.
1: Your tongue, like blisters. It
0: makes you stick to the service si- size they put on the bag. <laughs> yeah, those weren't good. Thanks, Claritek.
1: Peter writes in to share that their favorite snack would be the in uh, the Scooby snack, originally from Maggie's, a food truck in Glasgow, um, that is now more readily available. This dish consists of a roll <laughs> uh-huh. with a hamburger patty and a sliced sausage and bacon, and a potato scone, a fried egg, one slice of processed cheese, ketchup, and HP sauce.
0: That's not a snack. That's not a snack. You're describing a meal. That's a that's dinner.
1: Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't call that a snack.
0: People talk about American portion sizes, and I just did myself one minute ago, but that's not a snack.
1: I guess it's because of the name. That's why they're picking it.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. I'm it going, is, it it's is technically It is technically a snack. Thank you, Peter. Haley is writing in again to catch up on a few prompts and also sends some Easter celebration pictures of Rome and Cal, a pair of large, lovely dogs. They're so
1: cute.
0: Favorite snack food? Donuts and or ice cream.
1: Yeah, they you, count.
0: You guessed the topic. Thank you very much. Her favorite playwright is a hard one while she enjoys a number of plays. Uh not so much a fan of a single individual creator, so she's just gonna fall back on Shakespeare, a safe default if there ever was one. Haley's uh favorite deadly disease is Ebola. Hooray, Ebola.
1: <laughs> when we play an RPG game, that's the name of my character.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But it's... I
1: don't know why either. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why anything happens in that game.
0: Th- this is the Blades in the Dark campaign where you bent a bunch of ghosts to your will and led them to create a Guy Fieri-themed restaurant.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: And Just then, so the folks at home know what we're talking and
1: about. And I have a theremin.
0: That you use to talk to the ghosts. Yeah.
1: Sometimes. Sometimes I hit things with it, too.
0: It counts as her large weapon. Yeah. But back to actual Ebola the disease.
1: Not as happy and joyful, no.
0: <laughs> Back in high school she was reading The Hot Zone a book chronicling a, a an almost Ebola outbreak in the United States which got her interested in majoring in microbiology and biochem to to like go on to a life of working with level 4 diseases in in a high security lab somewhere cuz that's fun. Yeah. That's that's the glamorous life right there. Yeah. But she changed her mind because she doesn't want to be involved with lab animal testing. Or, or what if an evil terrorist organization puts her to work building uh, uh, pathogens to release in crowded urban areas? Yeah. It's not worth the risk. No. Speaking of diseases, we also had a uh, Bordetella vaccine sidebar in your last episode.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: And Haley would like to remind everyone to make sure your dog is immunized. Just because it's called the kennel cough vaccine doesn't mean that this disease is only available in kennels. Anywhere that dogs congregate, it can be passed, and it can be very swiftly deadly. Yes. So protect your dogs.
1: Well, it's not even if they're going to, like, encounter another dog. If they're going to go to a place where another dog was.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And Haley's favorite origin story is uh, Aquaman's origin story specifically the the flavor imparted in the recent film Wet Thor. Yeah so thank you Haley
1: uh, Erica writes in and shares that there are many sugary uh, specific snack foods that they enjoy um, but nothing beats a good bowl of fresh strawberries.
0: You and Erica would be friends we
1: would. We would be friends. Mm -hmm. I'm all about the strawberries. I bought two packages today, and we (laughs) already ate one.
0: So thank you, Erica, and thanks to everybody who wrote in. If you would like to give us a letter, where can those go, dear?
1: Historyhoneyspodcast at gmail.com.
0: And we would love to hear your show suggestions, your corrections, your questions, your stories, and also your uh, uh, responses to our regular prompts. And for our next episode. Yes. I would like to hear people's favorite mistakes. <laughs> okay. Going broad for this one, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah opening it up to interpretation.
0: I suppose so. If you want to write in, I, I would suggest a, a mistake that has, you know, historical import, a, a historical story around it, but we never limit you, you know, via yeah. con dios.
1: Yeah, go yeah. with what you're feeling that day. Yeah.
0: Before we uh, cut to letters, you were talking about finding some some wild and unusual and surprising things on the internet. I was? You were. Okay. (laughs) I promise you were. Uh
1: Uh-huh. And?
0: And if our listeners are a fan of these strange and terrible things that are found on the internet and would like to hear them read with enthusiasm... Uh, The F Plus is a podcast that does exactly that, and this coming weekend, uh, Saturday into Sunday, they are doing a 24-hour stream of the same, raising money for the Southern Poverty Law Center. Cool. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not only because that seems like fun, but because I'm going to be doing four hours of it. Oh. Hours three, four. 21 and 22. So not exactly like the bookends, but like the books that touch the bookends? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? A little after the start, a little after the end.
1: What are those hours in like hours?
0: In in human time? Yes. So those blocks are 1 to 3 p.m. on Saturday the 18th and 7 to 9 a.m. on Sunday the 19th Central Time. I only know what one of those hours will be. Yeah. At the time of recording. I hope the
1: 7 a.m. hour is really quiet. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's going to be an early morning.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, while you're out there exploring all the, the wonderful bizarities the internet has to offer, there is a safe haven. A place where you can congregate and, and know that, that, that all of the naughty words will sound like a, like a friendly duck.
1: Oh, and that's here.
0: And that's here. And you can get in touch with us at History Honeys on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter.
1: You can also uh, leave us a rating and review on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Uh, It's a great way to engage with us. It's kind of one way, but that's okay.
0: A good way to to promote the show while having a two-way conversation is to have that conversation with a friend of yours.
1: And maybe it gets even more unique and you go for a three-way conversation.
0: Yeah, tell two friends.
1: Yeah, Mm a little group chat, three-way phone call.
0: Yeah, I watch Mean Girls. I know how that goes. Yeah. But speaking of the Instagram, there's a lot of fun stuff on it lately.
1: Yes. We uh, recently went to members night at the Field Museum, which was very cool, and uh, just shared a lot of pictures
0: on there. A lot of things we saw, surprisingly, relate back to episodes we've done.
1: Yes, and other things that were just cool.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So again, you can find that at History Honeys.
0: So with that, I'm Grant. I'm Elena. And history's better with With your your honey.